Let's talk today about, I want to talk about the Christmas story a little bit. Uh, uh, to me, Christmas was always a wonderful time. It's a, it was, for me, my favorite time of the year. And I don't know about all of you, but how can, what do you think, why do you think it was my favorite time? Gifts. <laughs> I mean, I didn't understand Christmas as well as I should have. But, but, but when I learned it was my favorite time because of Jesus. Yeah, because of Jesus. And uh, Jesus is so wonderful. And he remi- he, this season reminds us of Christ and of a, a family. And he has made us all family. I love this time of the year. And um, I want to teach a little bit about it today. Uh, Zacharias and Mary is my subject. Uh, comparison and contrast. And... Um, Let's talk a little bit about it. I want to read, start reading in Luke chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to try to get through all 38 verses. It says, um, <laughs> Did you all hear that? Somebody's over there laughing. They think I can't do it. Si se puede. All right, let's read verse 1. This is Luke, uh, uh, the physician writing, who was also a historian. He says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write you an orderly account most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So Luke is writing this gospel, and I love the way he starts it out. I want us to listen carefully because you and I are going to um, receive reward for what we uh, willingly listened to and then what we did with that. Where God's going to reward us accordingly. And I want us to take it seriously. I want to have a great reward when I get to heaven. I honestly do. But I don't want reward of a mansion, some physical some building or whatever. I want to have a reward of proximity to Jesus. Uh, so that's what I want. Uh, you know, if there are going to be billions of us there, I don't want to be, you know, way at the back somewhere. You know, you know one, two billion, five hundred million person back there. I want to be close to Christ. So let us listen in, in, uh, very carefully. He says, Inasmuch as many, many people had taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. And so what he's saying is the story of God, the witness of God, the testimony of God, he says, this has been fulfilled. What the prophets wrote about the coming Messiah has been fulfilled among us. Now that should all alert us all and we should all be attentive to know that God said something and then God did something in time and space. And he's talking about, he's talking about the Messiah coming. He's talking about God becoming a man and that God becoming a, the redeemer of man because man needed a redeemer, but there was no man worthy uh, to redeem. Amen. And so God became that man. And that's so big to me. Uh, I've always believed the story uh, from the first time I heard it. I believed the story, but I always had a problem understanding how God became a man. I knew he was born, and I knew Jesus was a man, but I would always think, no, Jesus is God, but he's he's God-man. 
And that's very, very important for us to understand that because man had messed everything up, man had to set it right. And so there was no man to set it right. So God became a man to set it right. See, you see, you, if, if you, you've got to get that. And you've, you've got to embrace that. And so he says these things were fulfilled um, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses of the word delivered them to us. And so these people were eyewitnesses of the word becoming flesh. They actually saw the word of God in human flesh. They touched the word of God. <clears throat> now that's really big for me. You and I are not believing some idle tales. And that's what this season is about, is to remind us, it's not as children think often, of the presence I'm, I'm going to get. Or, or my mind always would go back to not only the presence, but all of the special baking that mom did. And, and the house was filled with, with just the wonderful aroma of, of baked goods and and fruits of all kinds, and pine, and cedar, and all of those. I can still almost smell them now. Or when I smell something, I instantly think about being a little boy and around Christmas. This is, an, is about Christ. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. And I want us to really think on it uh, very, very thoroughly. He says that, it's, he, that Luke goes on to say he had perfect understanding of these things, uh, from the very first, and so he wanted to write a narrative, this narrative, uh, this account to uh, this nobleman, Theophilus, he says, so that Theophilus may know the certainty of those things uh, in which he was instructed. And so what he, I'm, want, I'm wanting to do today is that you will know the certainty. Now you may say to me, I know the certainty of it, but you're not walking out this reality like someone should. And that we're all at various stages of growth. I understand that. I understand, as Brother Elliot taught, taught us, that all the fruit does not get ripe on the tree at the same time. I understand that. But you ought to be some good fruit on there. You're just not quite ripe yet. I understand that. What we want, us, want to do is to believe this story and then conduct our lives in accordance in accordance with the story. We want to believe this narrative. We, narrative. we want to be certain that these things actually happened, that God actually became a man and lived among us, and uh, he was the word of God made flesh. We want to know that real and actual. Let me say something to our young people. You, when you leave our homes, you, you, you leave really a place of safety. When you leave mom and dad's house, you leave a place of safety. Now, what, uh, when you come to Jesus, and please listen to me, young people. When you come to Jesus, and you, really, you give your heart to Jesus, then the Spirit of God lives in you. So what God has done to preserve you when you go out into the world and there are godless people all around you and, and people are telling you that, that it's the Christians who are the, uh, the problem, those are lies. And God, what God has done to preserve you and to help you, he has placed the testimony of God inside you. you. You have the testimony of God. You know, don't be like people who say, you know, later on you get saved and say, well, I went to church all of my life and I, I, I wasn't even saved. Well, it's your own fault. You know that you're not saved. You sit here and, and, and then and resist and resist. Don't resist, but receive the word of God. So because the word of God is your protection against error, against false things, against evil things. It's, it's, even it protects your life from destruction. 
The Word of God does that. So I want our, uh, our young people to hear that today, that Christmas is about a whole lot of good things. And uh, the Lord has blessed you by putting you in the Christian families. And so, all right? Amen. Let's look at verse 5. He says, there was in the days of Herod, uh, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, when, the, when Luke writes this narrative, he wants you to know that these are real people, not made-up stories. It's not allegory or any of that kind of stuff. This is, these were real people, and they had real functions in life. You know, so God uses real people, all right? And so it says, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Isn't that amazing? Now, they were both righteous before God. Listen, walking in all the commandments uh, and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. These were, people were following God. You're here today, and uh, you've been following God. Now, let's listen to their story, and you may see your story in it. But they had no child. Doing everything right but things weren't going the right way with them. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. They did not have a child. So you, it's not like, oh God, I've done all these things right, so uh, you must not love me because you've not given me the things I want. I know that's an issue with believers. I know that's a, uh, we seem to think that since I've done everything right, everything right must happen for me. Well, it will eventually, but, but let's give it some time. Amen. I mean, I know people who are living perfectly uh, righteously before the Lord, and they, they have sicknesses, uh, or, or they have a life with a lot of hornets, you know, difficult people in their life. But they are living for God. And so here in this story, um, Zacharias and Elizabeth were blameless. They were walking uprightly, but she had no child. And that was like a, it was a, like a scourge on the family. I mean, there, there, people talking about it. I, well, I wonder what they've been doing. They, they must not be living right because um, look how things are happening in their life. I mean, they are, he's a priest, and you know, and, uh, and she's barren. I, wow. You know, that's how people do. I mean, I hope I wasn't sounding like a woman. I was sounding like a man trying to... You know, you know, you know, you know, come on, you know, so, so that's how we are. We, we look at people's lives and we wonder who sinned, you know, who sinned here? Uh, look at that, look how bad their life is. These people were righteous before God and uh, they were talked about badly in the community without a doubt. Verse 8 says, so it was that while he was serving as priest, so in the midst of things that were not going right, Verse 8 is, is recorded. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of the division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside of incense. Now notice here, it, it's like even though things were not going well outwardly, he was just doing what God gave him to do, it was his set time to go in and burn incense. Yeah. And so he's doing what he's, he's always had uh, or has been the set time. This was his set time. Maybe it was his only time. Some theologians said it was probably the only time he was there. And so he went in to 
burn incense, and something happened. So you keep doing what God has given you to do, something's going to happen. I know that's right. I'm not saying that just to say that. I know how life is. I know how how I was reared, brought up, and, uh, and how we were brought up. And many of you were brought up in the same manner. You just did what was right. You didn't do what was right because you felt like doing it. You didn't do what was right because uh, that was the right response that everybody, you did what's right because it was right. You you weren't looking for somebody to pat you on the back. You did what was right because it was right. So there are those of you who are here, you want to stop doing what's right because you've not reaped something that you thought you deserved or something you expected. So you keep doing what's right. This man kept doing what's right. And let's see what happens. Then, well, he was just doing his job. Then, in the midst of doing his job, then, he kept on singing. Then, kept on praying. Then, kept on working that job that you didn't want to go to. Then, kept keeping your mouth closed. Then, An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I believe that story because I used to ask God, I want to see, I want to see. And one night I saw something and I was scared to death. Fear fell upon him. So those of you who said Jesus came to see you and you invited him to dinner and all that, hey, God. And Zechariah saw him and was troubled, and fear fell on him. So that's sort of the natural reaction of everybody who saw an angel from God. Now, he recognized this person was different. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, this is great stuff. Uh, John. She called his name John. I, you know, I, I was telling him in the first service, I made the same mistake in the first service that I was telling him. I always preach, get to Jesus as fast as you can. So I'm, tr- I'm forgetting John and trying to get to Jesus. But you shall call his name John. But notice what, what the angel did, though. The angel spoke calm in the Zacharias, right? He spoke and he said, do not be afraid. That was not say, okay, on your own, don't be afraid. No, I'm going to be afraid of you. You came from heaven and you're this big supernatural figure and we have not, not seen anybody like you on earth. I'm going to be afraid if God doesn't do something. Are you macho guys going, I wouldn't be. Oh, you would be the, have to pull you from under the bed. <laughs> so the angel says, do not be afraid. He speaks calm into John. He tells John, that, uh, uh, Zacharias, and he says, Zacharias, listen, your prayer is heard. Now listen what the angel comes to tell this man. He's blameless. He's he's doing what this would call works righteousness. They did all that the law required. He had works righteousness. He was blameless before God. The angel says, your prayers heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You should call his name John. (laughs) And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Now listen what the angel tells him. For you, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. God will call him great. Jesus tells us, confirms this, and tells us there was no one who, uh, born 
of a woman who was greater than John. God says John is the greatest. John did no miracle. And he says nobody's greater than this one. Sometimes we measure ourselves by the miracles. I'm, I'm not oh, appreciably different. You know, I would like to see more miracles. We've seen a lot of miracles in the ministry, but I would like to see even more ministries, uh, miracles in the ministry, more ministry too. I'd like to see more because I think sometimes we judge ourselves on those things that are happening. But Jesus says, no, nobody greater. And, and the angel told him, uh, Zacharias, that, uh, that he would be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Wow. That's amazing. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now when, he, when the angel said this, Zechariah knowing the scriptures, has to know that he's talking about John is the forerunner of the Messiah. This is a messianic passage. And he says, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience, the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how should I know this? What? What did you just ask? How shall I know this? How do I know you're telling me the truth? What? I, I, because I've got some impediments to this. I have some problems that, this, you know, now let's see what his problem are. How shall I know this for I, I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. How, how should I know? I'm looking at the natural. I know you're supernatural, but hey, that's kind of like what's going on here. How many times have you done this? How many times has God wanted to bless you, but you were looking at natural things? How many times in your life, even maybe this week, that God wanted to do something in your life, but God didn't do it because of your unbelief? Here's a man who's walked with God all of his life. He's a priest of God. It's like saying he's a pastor, a preacher. And here he is out there leading folks, but doesn't believe. But look at yourselves. You say, well, I'm not a pastor, so that doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Here you are a believer in Jesus. Loving Jesus, go out to the workplace and act like an unbeliever. That, that's what this is going on in this passage. Now listen, he tells, he tells the, the angel, Gabriel, how... Uh, uh, how he, there are impediments to this word being fulfilled. There are things in the path that would trip over. And, and the angel uh, says, answered and said to him, listen, let me, let me use my own emotions because I think my emotions are sanctified. And he says, I am Gabriel. What, what, what do you mean? How shall I know this? I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of Yahweh. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you. By whom? By God. And to bring you these glad tidings. I was bringing you something good 
Because God sent me, and you're going to ask me, I'm old, how can this happen? I love this next one. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Now, because you did not, what? Believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, believer, do you believe every word that comes from God? Don't, don't answer yet. I want you to think about it. Do you believe every word? Or do you believe the words that, that seem plausible? It looks like this could happen, so I'll believe that. When God tells you the impossible, do you believe that? Are you a believer? He, the, the, the angel Gabriel said, this is going to happen because you didn't believe. You know, we ought to all believe because God has given to all of us the measure of faith. We should believe. Listen to what he says. He said they're going to be fulfilled in their own time. I believe that the angel stopped him from speaking so that he would not speak doubt because he was looking at things in the natural. How many of us have the Spirit of God but we still look at everything in the natural? There are too many of us. There are too many of us. We look at things in the natural. How many of you know that there's a there's a great tug of war, as it were, in the church of Jesus Christ, not only here in America, but around the world. You know, it's a great tug of war because there are many in the church who are co-opted by the world, and unwittingly, we want to take the church and make it more like the world. There's a great tug of war. There's a tug of, was a tug of war right here. This great man of God didn't believe the word of God. Now listen, let's, let's read on. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Wow. And she hid herself for five months saying, Thus the Lord hath dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now it says here that this uh, woman, who was well advanced in years, hid herself. It's amazing. You know, she was so, I guess, so, so excited, whatever her reasons were, she hid herself because of this great thing, and Zacharias couldn't talk about it. He couldn't talk. Because the angel shut his mouth because of unbelief. Now look here at what's going on. Uh, this, it's in a great story starting in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God, again, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Isn't that a great thing? Now, now listen to this story. He's sent to, this, to Nazareth uh, to this virgin named Mary, and uh, Joseph was the man she was engaged to. He was of the house of David. Also, Mary was of the house of David. Joseph was of the house of David through Solomon, 
and Mary was the, uh, of the house of David through Nathan. That's amazing. So they were both David's sons. And um, so that means that Jesus uh, is the promised Messiah through Mary and his adopted father, Joseph, was, as it were, heir. So Jesus has, he's got it, God just sealed it on both ends. You know, to where Jesus, the Messiah, the king, he is the one who has the right to rule. So he says to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was troubled just like Zacharias was troubled. And she considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. So he spoke calm into her. So I think God wants to speak calm into us. When we see crazy things going on in the world, God speaks calm into us. And he doesn't want us to be reactionary, to go around reacting to everything. No, he speaks calm into the people of God. The people of God are people who have calm. They're tranquil, even though things are going on terribly around them. And um, he says, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. You have favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name Savior. He will be great. Now notice, John the Baptist was great. He will be great. Difference. And will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So, wow. So what God did, God became a man, came through the Davidic line, and now he says, I'm going to give him the throne of his father, David. And what God did was he elevated this throne, obviously, because Jesus will rule, yeah, in the millennium, uh, he will rule here on the earth. But even greater than that, Jesus rules on the very throne of God. So, so God, Jesus elevates the throne to a heavenly position. He, he will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So, so he shows us that God's blessing of David take, take, uh, takes his son, uh, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, and he elevates him to the very throne of God, and he will reign forever and forever and ever. Now, now the angel Gabriel gave um, Zacharias good news. Your prayers are answered. Everything you've been, you both have been praying for for all these years, God has answered because there was a set time that God wanted to answer. God didn't answer you early on because he wanted to make your son the greatest prophet that has ever, ever lived. He, greater than any, anybody else because he wanted your son, though you were waiting, though you thought God had not heard you, though you thought you were being denied, but God was waiting to give you something even better than what you were praying for. Uh, yeah. He made, he's going to make your son the forerunner of the God-man. Wow. If he had been born before, it wasn't going to happen. But now, no, I was waiting. And so sometimes God is waiting to answer us because he's going to do uh, abundantly above all that we've been praying for. And he's waiting and we're getting impatient. Say, well, he doesn't love me. No, don't accuse God. Listen what happens here. And, and so Zacharias got something. Let me, let me finish up. He says in verse 34, he says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? You know, in other words, you know, what's going to happen? 
You know, I, I know how babies are made, so how's this going to happen? That's what she's told of saying. And the angel answered and said to her, oh, I, I added the O. Okay, that's my own. Oh, I'm just making it human for, for you. Oh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So that's why he's going to be called the Son of God, is because the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And then he says something that's very powerful. And, and, and he says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. So she, he's giving her additional information, information she didn't have, information that she didn't even know to ask. He says, because all Mary wanted to know was, was uh, well, well, what's going to happen that I would have this child? She wasn't in doubt and unbelief like the older man. Sometimes when we get a little older, we have too many experiences, and we start to rely on experiences more than the Word of God. I know what I've experienced, but I know what God said. And I don't want further human experiences. I want what God has said. And you can have what God has said, or you can have what your experience will bring you, more pain and misery. What do you want? You want what God says? I want what God says. And he says, okay, Elizabeth uh, has also conceived a, a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. This is what he says to her. This is her sixth month. And so Mary, uh, knowing Elizabeth, I'm sure obviously was excited. She knows, okay, wow, Elizabeth has had a child as, as old as she is. This is a God thing. I'm sure she's thinking like that. And the angel says to her, for with God... Nothing will be impossible. Now that's the message to all of us. With God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. So whatever your situation is today, say, with God, nothing will be impossible. Come on, say it again. With God, nothing. One more time. With God, nothing will be impossible doesn't matter what you are. You're still breathing. You're still alive. You know, God's able to rescue out of that you out of that situation. God's able to restore a hundredfold everything the devil has stolen from you. Everything the devil has stolen from you. In the name of Jesus Christ. And now the Bible says, then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. According to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you've been going through in your life, you need to say to God, behold the, the, the manservant of, of the Lord, or behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, God. So whatever the Lord has said on your life, you may feel like you've not re received it. You may feel like God's never going to do it. But I believe, I believe, I believe that God is going to do what he's promised you. Whatever that situation is, God is going to do it. God is going to set you on high. He's going to give you things that you never labored for. He's going to give you more than you prayed for because you didn't know how to pray as you ought. That's what he did in this case for Zacharias and Elizabeth. God will do it for you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Let me ask, let me ask if there's anybody here today, you... You've come and you, you, you don't know this Savior I just preached about. But you want to know this Savior I preached about. You want to know Jesus. Jesus is the best 
thing that will ever happen to you. And if you, you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, would you just mind raising your hand and say, I want to know this Jesus, that God thought enough of me to, to become a man, to save me from what I could not be saved from. If you would just raise your hand, I want to see it. And I, and I see a couple of hands. I see, yes, I see three, four. May I see other hands over here to my right? You, you want, say, I want this Jesus that you're preaching about. Anybody over here? Everybody over here saved? Everybody over here? Everybody saved, saved, saved. Okay, I see hands here. What about here in this section? Is this the already saved section? Or is there anybody here? Anybody here? Everybody saved over here? What about over here? Anybody would like to say, would say to me, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Anybody here? Just raise your hand if that's you. Oh, yes, sir. I see your hand. Is there somebody else who say, I want to do it again? Anybody? Anybody? I want to do that. Say what I'm going to do. I, I want you, do, do, do this for me and do it for yourself as well. I want you to, to stand where you are and I want you to repeat the sinner's prayer with me. I want you to do that. Just stand where you are. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I mean, yeah, don't be ashamed at all. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Just remain standing for me. I, I, I'm just going to pray with you. Don't be ashamed. Man. I'm so happy. And the Bible says the angels in heaven are happy. Yeah. This is good stuff. Just repeat after me. Dear God, Thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for the word I heard. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to make me a new creature, a new creation, a new creation. Make me into something I wasn't before. Make me a son of God, a child of God. And I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Uh, that's a good prayer. Amen. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. That's a good prayer.